1: luxury quality within reach go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order quince.com slash style
0: doctor's kitchen recipes health lifestyle
1: we're always alive death is not the opposite of life death is the opposite of birth you come into this physical form this level of the game if you want through a portal called birth, and you leave this level of the game through a portal called death. And life exists before, during, and after. Now, when you see it that way, you realize that the only certainty I have, honestly, Rupi, is that one day I will be where yeah. I is. I don't know what that is, huh? But I have no that I have more certainty of that than I have certainty that I will live another day. And believe it or not, just like my last 53 years passed so quickly. My next, I don't know how many, will also pass. Hmm? The, The question is, what will I make out of it? Death does not teach us to think, to fear it. Death teaches
0: us to live. Welcome to the Doctor's Kitchen podcast. The show about food, lifestyle, medicine, and how to improve your health today. I'm Dr. Rupi, your host. I'm a medical doctor, I study nutrition and I'm a firm believer in the power of food and lifestyle as medicine. Join me and my expert guests where we discuss the multiple determinants of what allows you to lead your best life. Today, I feel like I've had one of the most impactful conversations on a personal level because I, I vividly remember watching Mo Gaudat's interview on Channel 4 News back in 2017 when he was touring and promoting his international bestseller, Soul for Happy. His story of loss deeply touched me and it changed my perspective on happiness and how to attain it. Mo wants you to achieve happiness and wants you to understand that happiness is easier to achieve than we've been led to believe and for me to have the opportunity to now interview him four years later was just such a surreal privilege i just cannot explain i do want to warn you that today's podcast contains details of parental bereavement so please do exercise caution if this is triggering for you a bit of background, Mo Gaudet is the former chief business officer of Google X. He's author of the international best-selling book, Solve Happy, and founder of One Billion Happy. After a long career in tech, Mo has made happiness his primary topic of research, diving deeply into literature and conversing on the topic with some of the wisest people in the world, Mo is also host of Slow Mo, a podcast with Mo Galda, where he has the most wonderful conversations with some of the greatest minds of our time, including Dr. Tara Swart, Alain de Botton, Mark Williamson. I highly recommend that you dive into this library of incredible episodes if you find Mo's voice as soothing and as rhythmical as I do. You'll definitely love listening back to those episodes. A bit of backstory to Mo. In 2014, he endured the tragic loss of Ali, his 21-year-old son, after routine surgery. Motivated by his loss, Mo began pouring his findings into his book, Soul for Happy. And his mission to help 1 billion people become happier, one 1 billion happy, is his attempt to honor Ali by spreading the message that happiness can be learned and shared. And this is exactly what you'll hear about in today's podcast, where we talk about Mo's intention for the year, flow, and various definitions of the flow state, the inability to sit with ourselves, the tragic loss of Ali, and how that pushed his mission to solve happy, his midlife crisis at age 29, and how happiness and the happiness equation is received cross culturally. If you are inspired by this episode, do listen to more of Mo's work, including his own podcast and workshop videos on YouTube that are recorded at Stanford University. He's done a whole lecture series of a number of hours and I've linked to all those on the show notes found at the thedoctorskitchen.com. It is a wonderful, wonderful exploration into multiple topics around happiness and I personally have watched those a couple of times and they are truly impactful. So if you enjoyed the topics on today's podcast, you will love the Stanford series of lectures. Again, they're on thedoctorskitchen.com. For now, please do enjoy my conversation with Mo Gowdow. Mo, thank you so much for agreeing to be on my podcast. It was such a pleasure to be on yours uh, late last year, um, and as you know, I'm I'm now a fan of it, and I think it's been brilliant. Uh, first of all, I just want to ask how you're doing and and how things are for you right now, whereabouts in the world are you? How am
1: I doing? I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm always good and grateful. I should always say that. It's been a very unusual start of the year. I had. Uh, Four of my best, like real closest friends uh, diagnosed uh, with COVID and and one of them had another surgical operation at the same time. And so they were going through a very tough time. One of my dearest, dearest friends uh, lost his mother actually just very recently. And so it's been a bit uh, of like, oops, you know, is this, uh, you know, is this happening again? But at the same time, I I sort Mm. of have a, a, you know, a a glass half full view of life, if you want. And, you know, the reality is that my four Mm. friends have recovered. Uh, They're, you know, they're in good shape. Many others have recovered. Uh, It seems that, of course, while we are annoyed with all of the conditions and restrictions and lockdowns and so on, at least it seems that things are being monitored and under control I, on my personal Mm. side, have had uh, quite a bit of progress on my business front, uh, which has really, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, been uh, challenged through the COVID time. So, you know, that's actually reasonably uh, promising. And at the same time, which is my favorite thing I have to say is uh, I I start uh, every year of my life with a bit of a New Year's intention. And my New Year's intention this year has been really, really, really inspiring and it's doing very well so far. Okay. So, uh, so, I'm, so I'm happy about that.
0: Do you share your intentions or is it something that's deeply personal to I you? I do,
1: I do, I do. I do, of course. I mean, of course, I hope you don't mind I shared so much detail. Of course. I found that it's, it's, it's only genuine when someone asks you how you're yeah. doing. To actually give a real answer, you you know, you know, when someone tells you, "Hey, Rupi, how are you?" and you go like, "I'm Mm. fine," that doesn't mean anything, Mm. right? You you know, you should somehow be a little introspective. It's almost an invitation to reflect, an invitation to go like, "How how how am I doing?" Mm, That's interesting. My my New Year's intention uh, is uh, is flow. So this is the year of flow, and it's a big part. It's a big part of a six and a half years plan for me. uh, Self improvement self connection plan self love plan if you want uh which has been to attempt to connect a lot more with my feminine mm. side if that's uh if that's understood so so you know of course feminine and masculine is not a is not a male female thing feminine and masculine are, are, are qualities are characters of who we are and i you know i i seem to be reasonably balanced between them but but because of the way the modern world has uh groomed me if you want uh, you know as a business executive mm. as a thinker and an author and a mathematician in many ways i had prioritized my left brain for quite a while and and so my left brain drives a lot of my masculine characters you know uh, linear thinking and, uh, and analytical thinking and so on and so for the last six and a half years i've been trying to empower the other side mm. if you want mm. Uh, which I believe, by the way, if you connect to it, is absolute genius. Mm. Like it's so much smarter. And I, I, know, I know, men will be upset when <laughs> I say that. But it is so, it is so much smarter to use intuition mm. than it is to use linear thinking, yeah. right? It is so much smarter to use uh, empathy than it is to use forceful, forcefulness, if you want, or strength, right? And, and so part of that whole cycle, uh, you know, the part that your left brain uh, sort of blocks most is flow. Mm. Because you know, if, you're, if you're very much in the masculine, you want everything to be planned, you have a very clear you know, future and time you know, uh, horizon, and, and you really follow through that arrow of time if you want. And so my year this year is the year where I'm exercising flow, mm. where I'm exercising my ability to let the universe think on my behalf and allow me to, I actually built a very simple guideline. I said, I will set my self-love boundaries Uh so that the boundaries beyond which it would be in, you know, intrusive to my self-love if you want. And then I will flow with everything else. And it is an incredible feeling. It really is uh, liberating in so many ways, but it's also very connecting to a part of me that has been yearning to come out for a very long time
0: that i mean i'm really glad that we're starting straight away with the intention of being as authentic and as vulnerable as possible actually because I, and i appreciate that um perspective uh into how you're feeling particularly at the start of the year and your intention this year i've heard you mention flow and i've heard the term around getting into that flow state often um and i know one of the things that i've heard you talk about is actively listening to music so instead of it being a passive Mm. enjoyment where something is on in the background whilst you complete a task or whilst you do cleaning you you actually listen to the music and it and it connects with you yes Are, are these kind of exercises, things that you feel help you achieve that flow state?
1: So, so definitely a big part of flow is presence. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, so, so by the way, there are, fl- flow can be viewed from different paths. There is the uh, Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi's book of flow and the concept of doing something to a level of proficiency, like a pianist. Mm. Uh, that is in a state of flow, and that's slightly different, actually, than the flow I'm seeking. The flow I'm seeking can be visualized, uh, uh, you know, in terms of imagine if you have a a white water raft, yeah. right, and you're on white waters. The masculine would try to pedal their way up the stream. Uh-huh. Okay, it's it, it's all about forcefulness. It's all about I want to get there. Mm. I want to push myself. I can, you know, I can persevere, I can do it. Mm? The feminine would literally let the water, the river take them. Mm? And they would pedal every now and then just to, you know, just to change direction a little bit, but it's mostly with the flow, Mm -hmm. right? And and that's very different. So that kind of flow is a trust in the universal consciousness, Uh Uh if you want. It's the ability to say to yourself, my brain, my physical brain, is capable of doing certain things really, really well. But there seems to be a much bigger intelligence out there in the world, which you can actually judge yourself. huh? If you really look at the most pivotal moments in your life, the moments that really made you, the moments that changed everything, they were not planned. Mm. They were not forced on you through you they were not forced by you they were actually given to you at least that was true for most of my life even my work on happiness was just triggered by the death of my wonderful Mm. son most of the big jobs I got in my life I mean my first job I got because I got in a car accident all right and the person that I got in a car accident with was one of my best friends and he worked at IBM right and he said oh I was looking for you I didn't have your number we need you at IBM And I'm like okay right and 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 you you can see that if you flow with life sometimes life is a little more intelligent than we are now go back to exercises the challenge we have in connecting to that consciousness believe it or not is actually not that our brains are weak it's that our brains are too strong okay so 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 if you and i are talking now rupi and There is, um, I can guarantee you, there must be six noises around you. You know, a police siren somewhere and a car and maybe a coffee machine and a ventilation or whatever Mm. that is. And you don't hear them. You don't hear them because you and I wanna engage in this conversation. We wanna filter everything else and focus on this conversation. Now, to engage, your brain activates filters, right? It activates filters that, that that are so powerful that when you when you, when they say you're only using a portion, a small portion of your brain capacity, it's because your brain is literally neglecting so many things to focus on a few things. But it does that without your conscious attention. Mm-hmm. Okay, it does that in a way where sometimes your brain would. Obsess over and over and over and over about what's going to happen in March. What's going to happen in March? What's going to happen in March? What's going? What's the prime minister going to say? Is hey? Are they going to lock us down more? Are they going to right? And you can obsess around those things. And if you're into those spaces, you're missing out life itself. Mm. Mm? You're missing out the things that are happening here and now. And and part again, believe it or not, that's also a masculine property. Part of the masculine brain is that it focuses a lot on the past and the future time linear time is very important for the the masculine brain. And by the way, again, I I say that with respect, you could be a woman or a a person of any gender, any choice of gender, Mm -hmm. and you can still have that masculine tendency Mm -hmm. hmm? and you're using the masculine quality to focus on time. When you're in the past and the future, something amazing, two things, two amazing things happen. One of them is you're no longer in the world. Mm -hmm. Do you realize that? If you're focusing on something that happened in the past or something that happened in the future, you're not now. And by the way, you never actually lived in the past other than inside your head. When the past happened, when yesterday happened, it was called today. And when tomorrow will happen in the future, when it happens, it's going to be called today, right? The only way for you to live in tomorrow or yesterday is to live inside your head. And when you're living inside your head, you're actually not living you're actually not alive you don't you don't feel alive mm? and the other side of this is surprisingly i did a survey uh, uh, sorry a uh, uh, research on uh, when i wrote soul for happy that basically analyzed your emotion where is it anchored is it is it looking at the past the present or the future and its positivity or negativity and you'll be amazed that most positive emotions are anchored in the present they're anchored here and now. Elation, excitement, you know, calm, and all of that is anchored now. Regret, shame, and so on, negative emotions are anchored in the past. And worry, anxiety, fear are anchored in the future. And so when you're in the past and the future, you're not living. And yet, and, and it's negative, huh? It's it's mostly negative. And yet we choose to be there. I decided to run exercises in my life to reverse mm-hmm. that. OK, I want it to be in the moment as much as I can, not only when I'm meditating, but as much as I can. So when I listen to music, I only listen to music. OK, so, yeah, sometimes there is music in the background. Huh? But but when I when it's time to listen to music, I will listen to music. I never play a playlist that I prepare. I always go to one song and have Spotify choose a radio for mm-hmm. me, right? Mm-hmm. With one objective, which is I'm not going to listen to a song I don't love. So what does that mean? When the music is playing, I have to listen to what is being played because when a song I don't love happens, I advance. Mm-hmm. I go to the yeah. next song, right? And, 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 and by doing that, I'm completely present in that experience. Maybe for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, it doesn't matter. But I'm completely there, completely enjoying it. Now, if I want to go k- k- wash the dishes, believe it or not, I go and wash the dishes. I focus on the dishes. Right Which might seem to be a very mundane task, not when you're focused on it, when you're focused on it, it's calming almost as watching the uh, you know the 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 oceans the waves of the ocean, because what you're doing there is you're almost meditating, you're looking at it, and then you're putting it there, and you're wondering if this can be done right and, and it's it's a wonderful and and you know it, it, this is living, this is being in the present, moment. yeah,
0: yeah i mean th- th- there's so many things I want to unpick there because I think. It's a very well-established tradition in uh, Buddhist monasteries to sweep and to focus purely on that action of sweeping in the same way yeah. you are describing doing the dishes, something that might be seen as a mundane activity for many people. However, it is a an opportunity, an invitation, if you like, to really mm. feel in that present moment. And I'll give you an example from, from my life because very much like yourself and I've heard you say this before meditation or elements of mindfulness isn't something that you drive to go to a center and you do it for 25 minutes and then you you drive back and then that's the only time you have an opportunity to meditate or be present it's something that litters throughout your whole day and in, in my sort of line of work particularly when I'm at work work in clinical work my mindfulness is when I wash my hands and when I'm washing my hands no mm. matter what I'm doing obviously outside of emergency emergencies, but when I'm washing my hands after doing a procedure or seeing a patient or whatever, I'm just washing my hands and I'm not really thinking about yes. the, the ruminations or the negative thoughts that I might be having in that point in time. And I'm trying to pepper more of those points in my day to, I would describe it as being more present, but I guess it's a way as you've eloquently described it of tapping into that flow as well. Totally,
1: totally, totally. So once you're in that present moment and you accept that present moment, the universe itself changes that mm. moment, right? So, so so the next moment arrives and instead of resisting it, you become part of that next moment. And then the third moment arrives and instead of resisting it, you become part of that next moment. Now, most people will say, hey, are you unemployed? I mean, like, do you not have things to do? Like, no, I do, I do. But believe it or not, I distinguish clearly between what I call brain time and practical mm-hmm. time. practical time is you and I agreed we're going to meet and we're going to have this conversation. so I look at my watch and I don't I don't wear a watch, but you know I look at the clock <laughs> and yeah and, and and I basically realize I have 10 more minutes to go. I start to get up and prepare the setup, and now we have this conversation that's called practical time. Hmm? It doesn't occupy cycles of your brain. It's actually z- really easy to manage, especially if you're aware of the moments where you stress yourself too much, okay? So so basically, if you plan your day reasonably and have a few buffers here and there, practical time is easy to manage. Hmm? Brain time is the problem. Brain time is the time we spend inside our head spinning in thoughts that have absolutely nothing to do with the truth most of the time and nothing to do with the current moment. And And believe it or not, huh? Most of the time, because as I said, when you're inside your head, you're in the past and the future, Mm? you're you're not in the current moment because most of the current moment is okay. Mm? And and as a matter of fact, having the brain cycles to be able to focus on the past and the future is in itself proof that now is okay. Because if there was a tiger attacking you right now, you wouldn't be thinking about, oh my God, is my boss going to fire me tomorrow? Yeah. Right, you you don't think about the future or the past, if there is a present danger, and because of that, you start to tell yourself, "Okay, if now if now is okay, why am I resisting? Mm. Hmm? If now is okay, why am I not able to enjoy it? And and the joy of now, including sweeping hmm? the, in, the 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 joy of now, and I I'll say this with a ton of respect because I know. This is black belt level of of you know insight. If you want, the joy of now is to sit with your annoying brain, and laugh. You know, I I call my brain Becky, as most people know, and Becky says the weirdest things. And I'm instead of trying to avoid that by switching on Netflix or you know hiding myself somewhere or just you know trying to shut her up somehow, I actually listen, and it's she's the best comedian ever. <laughs> It's like, uh like you know, and, and seriously is like, okay, so you know, and I and I have an exercise that I do in the mornings, um, two, three times a week, I call meet Becky uh-huh. where I actually sit down and no, yeah, I sit down and I let her speak with two simple rules. One is uh, you know, I, 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 I recognize, I acknowledge everything that she says, and then I and then I basically say what else. Okay. And and I don't allow my brain to repeat the same thought twice. It's, it's two very simple mm-hmm. rules. Hmm? And and I start and then my brain my brain would go like hey don't don't forget you have a twelve o'clock today so I said yeah sure we have a twelve o'clock what else it goes like um, um, you know um, th- that email that came from that person he's annoying okay he's annoying that's your view but fine what else right and then it goes like you're fat and I'm like why 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 <laughs> yeah, Becky right okay uh, okay you think I'm fat what else uh, your daughter doesn't love you anymore. Right? Where the F did you get that from? Like, did you have any proof yeah. for this? And then you go like, okay, Becky, what else, right? And the idea here is being having the courage to sit down with your thoughts mm. and take note of how ridiculous mm. they are, okay? Cleanses them. And this is one of the biggest challenges. And I say this with tons of respect, Rupi. The biggest challenges we had with lockdown hmm? Was our inability to sit with us
0: yeah.
1: it's it 's just so difficult for some of us to sit and listen to that machine hover over and over and over mm. white noise inside our heads, and most of it is annoying and uh, and none of it actually is even relevant, yeah. and none of it has any power over you unless you give it that power. You can simply dismiss it as if your friend Becky, who you know is really not making a lot of sense, is just saying things. And you go like, seriously, Becky, are you kidding? Yeah. Like, you know, my doctor adores me. I adore my daughter. Where did you get that from?
0: Exactly, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's so many truths to what, what you're talking about here. And I think, you know, that combination of being locked up and the negative uh, stories in the media and the inability or the lack of practice of how to sit with oneself is a catastrophic sort of mixture that has led to so many people falling into the trap of depression Mm. and this isn't to you know um disregard or to belittle what is a very complicated subject matter around mental health but it's certainly that collection the confluence of all those different things that you were talking about there that has led to so many people really having bad, bad experiences. And I'm seeing, you know, the aftermath and the tidal wave of illnesses that we're all expecting over the next couple of years, not to put a negative spin on what we've got to look forward to, but certainly something that we definitely need to be aware of. And I think learning those skills, Mm -hmm. and I'm really glad we're talking about this because I have a list of things I wanted to talk about, you know, uh, about your work and stuff. And I'm really glad we're having this conversation because I think this is really key to happiness and and it is ultimately your your mission what you're doing now
1: uh, absolutely and 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 I would say openly again if you think about it from a point of view of flow mm. right um it doesn't seem that there is you know I'm 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 not in the UK as we speak huh so but I I I spent the first lockdown in the UK It it doesn't seem that that anyone has the ability to change the mind of the government. Mm. They're trying to do the best that they can. There is an increase in the number of cases and so on. So it seems that if you live in the UK, you're going to be suffering those conditions for a while. And there is one of two ways you can handle this. One of them is to say, you know, I, I hate my life. This is not working. Everything's wrong. You know, this is not fair. And criticize and watch the BBC and engage in those debates. And, you know, you can do that. Good for you hmm? or you can simply say enough waste of brain waves on this it seems that this is what it is what can i do to make my life better despite the presence of this new baseline okay can i can i get in touch with my dear friends on zoom a little more often can i watch despicable me okay can i you know go get, get up and dance can i um uh, learn how to uh, to crochet or do something amazing? I don't know, right? And, uh, you know, can I just take a subject matter like uh, uh, Sufism or playing the jazz piano and just watch every YouTube video about it? Hmm? Not, not by the way, and, and I'm and I'm being open mm. here, not plugging my thoughts into the pla- blacklist or, you know, some kind of a Netflix documentary, mm. because that actually really numbs your brain even more, but actively engaging in something. And, and that idea... That idea of I'm gonna flow with life instead of resisting it, believe it or not, has been an amazing gift for me during the first lockdown. And and it's not a secret, huh? I, I, those who know my work, I, I started One Billion Happy to honor my wonderful mm-hmm. son. I lost my son because of a medical error, and and you know and 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 I basically it's he was the most amazing thing that ever happened in my life. He was my teacher. He was my best friend. He was my coach. He was my son, and. And losing him, you can re- surrender to life and say, "Okay, game over, checkmate, life, you win," hmm? and sit back and hit your head against the wall until your deathbed, right? Or the o- or the other is to say, "Okay, so he's gone, hmm? and there's no way, nothing I can do to bring him back. But can I at least honor him? Can I tell the world what he taught me? Can I share, you know, what we discussed about happiness and make everyone love him as much as I loved him? And it wouldn't bring him back, but it would make it for nothing." It wouldn't make it for nothing that he left. Now, with that in mind, when when the lockdown happened, hmm, I was on a trip that was going to take me to seven destinations around the world to talk to somewhere around 16,000 people, okay? And I'm very engineered. Huh? I, I have a mission and I want to deliver the message to as many people as I can. And I have to admit to you, the first few days, I was like, what is this life? I'm trying to make people happy. Why are you working against me here, right? And then I sat back and I realized, actually, that's not bad at all. If I'm at home, that means I can start that podcast. I was, you know, dreaming of starting for two years. I, you know, I actually have a very interesting subject to start the podcast with, which was the silver lining of of COVID-19. And you know what? I'm going to give that a try. I'm going to flow with the fact that I'm locked in and build something new, right? My, it's it's now in the top 10 in many countries around the world in, in mental health and well-being. It's in the top 2% of of many apps. And, and it's really, really, really amazing. Hmm? I could have never even dreamt, I swear to mm-hmm. you, of reaching as many people if I had traveled my bum off to the rest of the world, right? No way, absolutely no way. And life was literally nudging me saying, stay home, take care of yourself, and do something that is really more impactful. Yeah, Can we think about life this way? Can we think about life as it's not against me? And yeah, sometimes it's tough. It's not supposed to be easy, but I can find the silver lining in it. I can do something with yeah. it. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, this really does circle back to how we started our conversation about your intention uh, for flow this year. and surrendering perhaps even more so to the state of the universe or the state of our current situation at the moment and allowing yourself to be nudged in whatever direction you're being being put mm. into and then, you know, starting your podcast, which I think is a wonderful endeavor and, and something I really want to unpick in a bit. Um, It is an example of that. Just to kind of get listeners up to speed um, for anyone who hasn't come across... The foundations of your movement and the formula, which you've alluded to there around happiness, where this clearly came from—the experience with your your son—but you were working on your own happiness prior to the tragedy. Is that is that right? Yeah, yeah. I
1: I I'm I'm one of the most fortunate people you will ever meet. I'm I'm fortunate in so many ways one of which is I had my middle age crisis when I was 29. So, so it, you know, middle age crisis is not a, an age thing. It is the point at which you've spent a lot of effort to get what you thought you wanted from life. And then you got to it and you went like, is that it? Is that actually what I wanted at all? I mean, it doesn't seem like what I dreamt at all. And and I was, very fortunate i was i'm egyptian i was born and raised in egypt and educated educated in public school and public university and then by age 29 i had the dream life like i had everything i had big villa with a swimming pool and cars 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 and you know vacations and i had my the most amazing woman on earth who has a horrible taste in men accepted to be my wife (laughs) Right, <laughs> and 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 I mean, I, pe- those who know her know what I'm talking about. Stunningly beautiful, uh, s- super loving, very kind, the best mother on the planet. Gave me two wonderful kids. Right, and I ended up hating everything. Like I was so unhappy. I was so unhappy to the point that uh, you know, at the time, of course, m- m- you know, Middle Eastern manly man, I wouldn't go for therapy, but I would have definitely been diagnosed clinically mm. depressed. Right, and and. And and I had to find a way out of it. And I actually remember vividly the moment where I broke my daughter's heart with my grumpiness. Okay, so Aya, uh, uh, you know, my daughter is, is life itself. She's, she's literally sunshine itself, full of energy, full of life, full of joy. And she would be the one that takes us out and takes us places. And she was five or six at the time. And she comes to me on a Saturday morning, Papa, we're going to do this today. And, da, 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 and I'm like, and I'm looking at some, worthless email at work. And I go like, can we please be serious for a minute? Like to a five year old, mm. like what the, What was going on in my mind? And I could, I swear to you, I could see her heartbreak. I could see it with my eyes. And until now actually it gets yeah. me emotional because poor the poor girl, hmm? all she wanted was to live and be happy and who cares about another email? Hmm? And so I locked myself in a room and I said, that's it. That's it, I hate this person. We're gonna find a way out of here. Complete miserable failure for four years. I swear to you, I couldn't get it. I read everything I could find about happiness. Watched every documentary, Uh, you know, uh, went for seminars where they, you know, told us to do weird things. Couldn't get it because my engineer's mind doesn't understand. I mean, my engineer's mind is basically highly mathematical, Mm -hmm. highly logical. And if you tell me to say, oh my God, like, no. Tell you know, explain to me why OM yeah. works. Show me the frequencies. You know, tell me how the machine works. And and yeah, I refused everything. And until my engineering approach decided the only way I could do this is to find an equation. Okay, I needed to find how that machine called happiness worked. And so I did, which is really weird. And I did it in the weirdest way. I, I swear it's really. I basically assumed if I was in a lab hmm, and there was a specific reaction happening that you didn't understand how it happened you would take as many readings of it as you can and find a trend line and so I did that I wrote down as many readings as I can of moments in my life where I felt happy and I tried to look for a a trend line and the only thing that is common across all of the moments in life you've ever felt happy is actually very simple you don't feel happy in when a certain event happens okay you feel happy when that event matches how you want life to be, okay? So if you're, uh, let me give you a great example. Mm-hmm. Huh? In the UK, you guys feel very happy when it's sunshine,
0: we, right? We it's do. like,
1: oh my God, it's, <laughs> what, yeah, it's, it's one of the four days we're going to get sunshine this year. I'm the happiest person yeah, ever, definitely. right? But if, but if the sun is shining and you're locked down, you would feel miserable. Mm-hmm. Right, because you don't want the sun to shine. You want it to actually rain outside if you're locked in, and to be sunny when you're out. Okay, and so that's the same event: sunshine. If you wanted life to be sunny, makes you happy. If you didn't, if you didn't want it to be happy, it, uh, it, it, to be sunny, you would feel unhappy. You know the, You know the saying: hmm? when you're in love, everything's amazing. Yeah. You would be in the, you're, you'd be in the same house working for the same annoying mm. boss. Uh, uh, listening to the same annoying news Okay But you're in love And everything seems to be happy Not su- You know Suddenly Just the idea of I have love in my yeah. life hmm? This is what I expect life to give me Makes everything okay yeah. hmm? So So Summarize this an equ- in an equation Happiness is equal to Or greater than The difference between The events of your life Or at least your perception of them And your hopes and expectations Of how life should be it's a very simple equation it's events minus expectations and every minute in your life as a matter of fact people who are listening to us in this podcast for the last 30 minutes you might have actually made that comparison in your head thousands of times they say up to 60,000 times a day hmm? where you go like oh uh, his voice is weird uh, do i want to waste an hour on this guy Uh, You know, um, he interrupts Rupi a lot. You know, it doesn't seem to be good. Or, oh, he spoke about Becky, you know, whatever, right? And every one of those comparisons you're saying, is this, does this meet my expectations? Is this what I want? Is my chair too hard? Is my back rested well? You know, is it too chilly? Is it too warm? And so Mm. on, okay? And the reason our brains do that is actually really interesting. Our brains are just a survival machine. They're solving that equation as a survivor algorithm. Basically, they're they're telling that they're looking at the world around them, analyzing it and saying, good, nothing is wrong. You can chill and be happy, calm and peaceful and content. Or hold on, hold on. Something is wrong. Let me sound the fire alarm. And that's the difference between them. Unhappiness, worry, fear, anxiety, regret, shame, all of those negative emotions are a fire alarm. They're your brain saying something is not perfect. I want you to pay attention to it, in the absence of anything that is not perfect, your brain goes like, "Okay, I'll chill now. You can rest your muscles. Uh, you know, uh, uh, replenish your body, uh, digest your food. You can have a few minutes of uh, uh, serotonin and and feel okay with your parasympathetic nervous system in- engaged."
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, the the whole the, the the analogy you use there, I think, is very timely. First of all. And the formula, which I've gone through in my head a number of different times now of where expectation of reality meets the perception of reality and the mismatch or the match between those two and the the various grades of that and how that leads to the experience of contentness or happiness as itself Mm. is something that is very... Only could be explained by someone like you with a mathematician's mind and an engineering mind and it makes so much sense to me who appreciates that sort of scientific logical component to it and it's certainly something you can feel as well when you explain it using analogies and parallels and people can understand it on your mission which is now to spread happiness to over a billion people i think it used to be 10 million if i'm not uh, incorrect. We started with 10 started million. with 10 million. Yeah, yeah. How has the reception of the equation for happiness been received internationally across different cultures? Because you've been in an incredible position to influence so many different people with different upbringings, different cultural heritages. How, how does that equation cross and communicate?
1: It's a great question. So... The machine is exactly the same. It seems that we all have the exact same software. The data we put in it, Rupi, is way different. The, the 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 way a Latin American solves the happiness equation is totally different than a Scandinavian, mm. for example, right? So 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 the idea is events minus expectation. So so take take um, you know people in India, Latin America, um, Africa. Hmm? Uh, where they do not expect to be fed every day. So believe it or not, there are people around the world who actually don't expect to get food every day, let alone food like yours, okay? <laughs> so so you, right? No, I'm yeah, serious, yeah? yeah. L- l- you go you go to those, and, and you know, you've been to India many times, huh? you go to one of those mm. people and you give them a bowl of rice and they'll be the happiest person on the planet, one bowl of rice. For us, on the other hand, you uh, use your iPhone or Samsung, whatever, and click on Deliveroo. Mm. And within, I don't know how many minutes, you get a meal that is five different colors and everything is wonderful. But no, that's not what I want. I'm supposed to be outside with my friends in the pub with a, with a glass of wine so that I enjoy the food. Why? Because your expectation is set to life is only good if I have that. Right? Absolutely. If if Deliveroo, if Deliveroo did what, you, what we get in India, people would be... Literally dancing in the streets, right? And like the, if, if you give what you, your meal to anyone in Africa, people would be dancing in the streets. On the other hand, you go to places like Scandinavia, where they have the highest quality of living in the world. So they, they call it subjective well-being, and it's, it's measured. Huh? And you have also some of the highest suicide rates in the world. And by the way, interestingly, some of the highest suicide rates amongst women. Oh. And, and you start to ask why. How can you have the highest quality of living where basically events must meet expectations? I mean, in comparison, things seem to be okay. Why are we so unhappy? For the same reason, I had everything when I was 29, I was unhappy. Mm. Why? Because everything that I had when I was 29 did not meet my expectations of what I wanted, okay? Uh, You know, I I had a beautiful, this is a true story. I bought my first BMW 5 Series, you know, I'm, I came from nothing, Bo- bought my first BMW 5 Series, beautiful car. And the first time I took it to the service, hmm? I bought it used from one of my friends, 10,000 kilometers on it for dirt cheap, dirt cheap. Took it to the service the first day, as they were changing the oil, I was looking at the 7 Series and saying life is unfair. Right? It's, it's as simple yeah. as that. huh? You you never appreciate, the goal continues to evolve. And, and basically in, in countries, where our quality of life is so much better, our expectations continue to increase. If you want to complain about Bojo, come to one of the dictatorships I lived mm. in, okay? And you would know what it means to be actually in a in a bad political space. Mm? You know, so so or don't go very far. Look at Trump, yeah. right? And and you and you would know that that's you know, every human being has errors and you know that the situation is difficult, but By the way, it can get much worse. And so the truth is, life is not that bad. As a matter of fact, if I list to you the number of people that, uh, if you don't mind me talking about COVID. Please do. There could be one one of four situations you're in. Either you've been diagnosed with COVID, which is nasty. Hmm? Uh, You lost someone you love to COVID, which is hurtful. Or you lost your job and economic livelihood and are unable to survive, which is really, really, really tough. Okay? Or you're okay. This is the fourth situation. Hmm? Why do I say that if, if you're not one of the three, you're okay? Because if you're listening to us right now, hopefully that means you have a device to listen on, which is better than most people in the world. You don't have enough worries to prevent you from actually spending an hour listening to us. And you're not diagnosed for, with COVID. Okay. And 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 hopefully, that, I hope, I hope, I hope you haven't lost a loved one. It's the hardest thing in the world. But if you're not one of those three, I will tell you the reality. The reality, Rupi, is that you instead of saying life is difficult, you should tell yourself, oh, my God, I am so fortunate. I'm not one of the three. Life is so amazing. It's going to pieces with everyone. And I'm not diagnosed. I haven't lost a loved one and I'm actually able to, to sit here and listen to Rupi and Mo, right? And, and when you think about that, and I say that with a ton of respect, please don't be offended, yeah. anyone. Hmm? If you're not one of those three, then the extent of the lockdown for you is you've been forced to stay at home, work on Zoom, order from Deliveroo or Uber Eats or whatever you're ordering from, and binge watch Netflix, and I know Netflix is horrible, <laughs> but it's really not that bad. Yeah, yeah. Like seriously, life is really not that bad. Okay? Yes, we're lonely. We, see, we, 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 we long for touch and connection and so on and so forth. And I understand life can be a lot better if we had those things. But it really is not that bad. You want bad? Okay? Look out for the rest of the world and you will know what bad yeah. is. You will know what being in a war zone is. You will know what being in a, in a, in a hunger, uh, you know, a, 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 a whole country suffering, you know, a lack of food or lack of water or, you know, being under a dictator. or being, it's, it's, Life can be so much, you can be human trafficked. You can, life can be so much worse, yeah. so much worse. And if we learn to see that, then you'll be like me. You'll wake up every morning and you'll go like, woohoo, I'm alive right my company suffers my company doesn't you know my i haven't seen my daughter for four months I'm. it's fine it's fine it's okay it's gonna pass by the way just like the first lockdown passed. yeah
0: exactly i mean i mean f- for me and i think this is again with the humblest of respect for people who don't uh subscribe to this perspective yet but when you count the number of blessings that you have or you have a daily activity i'm a big fan of gratitude and thinking of three things that i'm grateful for every single day as a mechanism for determining how net positive you are you begin to realize the wealth that you actually already have and have attained by virtue of living in a society which is free and where you are fed, where you are sheltered, where you have relative security and when you think about those things at a comparable level globally as the pandemic has has shown has really put a spotlight on then you begin to realise we've won the lottery George. here, absolutely won the lottery and I, and I think one of the things that I did want to ask you about, and I do want to go onto your podcast as well, because you've you've had some incredible guests. And I'm sure that they have Amazing. taught you, and and you know, you've changed perhaps your opinions, or perhaps you know, solidified some of your beliefs before. But one thing I did want to touch on, that perhaps we don't talk about enough, particularly in the West, is the 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 concept of death, and the you know, considering, you know, uh, our current global situation, and, and this is a topic I think needs more attention, we have to get comfortable discussing death a lot more. And from your own experiences personally, but also your wealth of knowledge across different cultures and how they treat death and, re- and respect death mm-hmm. as an inevitable mm-hmm. event in everyone's lives. Mm-hmm. How, what, what advice do you have for, for people and, and how do you Decide to approach this sensitive topic.
1: It is a very sensitive topic, and by the way, it you know there is no amount of wisdom you can ever acquire to not feel the pain mm. and the fear. Huh? So, so I, I I mean I I talk about happiness and I share what Ali taught me, but I'll I'll tell you openly every you know three to four times a week I will wake up with a hole in mm. my heart for missing him. Huh? It is it's it's just you know death is it has a finality to it. That is quite painful, but I, I want to talk about this topic from two sides. Uh, I I hear that the UK has lost a hundred thousand people uh, to to COVID nineteen recent you know so far, uh, and hopefully hopefully not not one single life more. But this is what we have so far uh, around the world. I think we lost somewhere around 2.6, 2.7 million, and, um, and I have to put things in perspective. And I and I I hope again people are not offended by this. I'm I'm fifty three years of age, okay. So, I was born in 1967. If I was born in the year 1900, by age 53, I would have witnessed World War I, uh, the Spanish Flu, the Great Depression, World War II, and uh, smallpox, okay? Between them, combined, by age 53, the world would have lost 976 million people. Wow. 976 million people of a population that had not exceeded 1.7 billion at any point in that wow. period. Okay, when you really think about it, that is like one of every two people you mm. know. Hmm? Now, if you put things in perspective, and 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 COVID is nasty in so many ways, and it's nasty because it puts pressure on work, you know, health workers like you, huh? And and it actually when when my friends, when one of my friends got diagnosed, and he was saved by being in ICU, huh? the idea of let's make sure there are not too many people seeking ICU attention so that we we cannot serve all of them and then we'll start losing them. That's noble in many ways. That basically means that by you staying at home and protecting yourself, you're actually saving lives, right? And and that's a very noble idea to think about. Having said that, in comparison, COVID at the end of last year, I think was the eighth uh, reason, uh, cause of death, okay? At a 10%, of cardiac uh, disease, right? And we've survived as humanity with cardiac disease for hundreds of years. It doesn't take the same level of attention to talk about it, Uh, you know? And you could say, oh, no, 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 but it's not contagious. Yes, it is. With all of the stresses of life, it is contagious in a different way. hmm? But at the same time, by the way, there were other causes that are respiratory diseases that are contagious that were higher on the causes of death last year hmm, uh, than actually COVID-19. The reason why we're all so worried about COVID nineteen is because of the media attention and the political agenda around it, okay? And because it's a pandemic, it's something we don't know, so there is a lot of fear and anxiety and, and uncertainty. Hmm? If you really think about it, the extent of this—again, I, I, again—I please don't—I don't, no, don't want to offend anyone, but in reality, if you just let go and say yes, I'm going to stay home, I'm going to talk to my friends, I'm going to find a way to make my life better for a while, we will win. We won against the Spanish flu hmm? with nothing, zero technology. Mm-hmm. Hmm? We won against smallpox. 300 million people died of smallpox, and we won. Hmm? With, with no technologies in the 1940s, 1950s. Hmm? We will absolutely win this one, but we need everyone to just do it right. Just please. Please prioritize. Imagine if that person that you infected was your mother, yeah. or your lover, or your, your or your sister, and say, "I don't want that for anyone." Hmm? And with that, stay home and try to make it happy, and everything will be yeah. easy. You uh, seriously. Now let's talk about death itself. Yeah, yeah, um, day before yesterday, I interviewed an incredible thinker, a cardiac, uh, a cardiologist for 40 years. Who wrote about near-death experiences? An international bestseller, sold, I think, three hundred thousand copies of uh, of a book called Consciousness for uh, Beyond Life, Uh, Pim van Lommel, and and Pim spoke about the idea of the non-locality of uh, of consciousness. That consciousness is not within us. Consciousness is think about the internet. The internet is not on your iPhone. It's not on your smartphone. The internet is received by your smartphone, but it's everywhere, okay? And so is consciousness. Your life, your your ability to perceive, hmm? your ability to to, to to comprehend is not within the machine that's called your brain or your body. It's everywhere. This is just the receiver that enables you in this current physical form to receive all of this enormous, enormous consciousness. Now... When you really understand that, and I, I don't want to be too co- complex in terms of physics and, and, and mathematics, but when you really understand at any level hmm, of simplicity the basics of uh, space ti- the space-time continuum and, the, and, the, and, and theory of relativity, you would understand that time actually does not exist as we perceive it to exist. Okay, that, that all of space and all of time, that's, this is Einstein's yeah. work, right? all of space and all of time exists in a four-dimensional loaf of bread-like uh, structure that is called space-time. Okay? Which basically in physics, every physicist understands that there is no before or after. As a matter of fact, there are case studies that are proven by practical observations where your before could be different than my, could be my after okay so if a, if an astronaut is approaching the Earth at a certain angle at a certain speed they can they could actually see a world where the world they witness is my my son being born in dubai in egypt okay my son dying in uh, in Dubai as the same moment it actually would appear to them as a slice of space time mm-hmm. that is the same moment now when you think of that, you have to start realizing that because when Ali Habibi left our world, Ali was very handsome. He was a beautiful, wise, white-shouldered, tall man hmm, who, uh, who would really have that glow to him, something about him, a charm to him. Actually, when he was younger, you know, in, in school years, every photograph of Ali is Ali in the middle and six girls from this side and six girls from the other side hugging right. him, right? He, he had that incredible energy to him. Habibi, when he left in the ICU, when he left our world, you looked at that body and it wasn't Ali. It looked like him. It had his features, but it wasn't him. And I know you know that because of your work. There is something Mm -hmm. that animates that that inanimate object that we call our body and makes it alive. And when that something disconnects with that body, hmm, that body is not you anymore. As a matter of fact, I carried him. I put him in his grave, Habibi. And and he disappeared, that body completely disappeared. Did you understand that? What disappeared was not my son. Mm? What disappeared was the vehicle my son used to navigate this world that is physical. But if you understand space-time, you would realize that the real Ali, the the, the real um, player of the game that's holding the controller for that avatar that we called the physical form of Ali, the real player, Hmm? was not born before me he was not born he he didn't die before me he didn't he wasn't he wasn't born after Mm. me okay his physical form was born after me and died before my physical form but his real essence like my real essence was timeless. it exists outside space time it exists outside this physical space that we live in and it just connects to that antenna like the iphone connects to the internet okay if you take any understanding of quantum physics whatsoever and you combine that hmm, with a simple understanding of uh, of uh, of the big bang theory you would have to imagine that life had to exist before matter yeah. life itself is what creates matter okay we're always alive death is not the opposite of life death is the opposite of birth you come into this physical form, this level of the game, if you want, through a portal called birth. And you leave this level of the game through a portal called, li- uh, called death. And life exists before, during, and after. Now, when you see it that way, you realize that the only certainty I have, honestly, Rupi, is that one day I will be where yeah. I is. I don't know what that is. huh? But I have, no, that I have more certainty of that than I have certainty that I will live another day. And believe it or not, just like my last 53 years passed so quickly, my next, I don't know how many, will also pass. Hmm? The the question is, what will I make out of them? Death does not teach us to think, to fear it. Death teaches us to live, to live now. Now I can can make this amazing until I go and play the next level. But until I play and, and go and play the next level, by the way, I can guarantee you there is a next, a next level. As a matter of fact, this level, if you understand space-time, is so minuscule monic- compared to the actual reality of timelessness.
0: I, I really appreciate you sharing that perspective because I think even for me hearing it firsthand and really being in this present moment right now and listening to you talk about it so well, has given me that positive perspective despite the tragedy and the bereavement of loss. And that perspective, I guess it was almost like the ultimate exercise for you to put your theory of happiness to test. And in a way, this pandemic that is testing a lot of us is our exercise in changing our perception around what is happening at the moment. And I've heard you say something really beautiful about how when Ali was taken to the ICU, he was fasting. And Mm. prior to the surgery, he had to be nil by mouth as per surgical protocols. And that led to another incredible initiative outside of what you're doing with happiness or very much related about water and the importance of water and fresh yes. water and how yes. ali's essence essentially lives on through further projects that are touching thousands if not more lives across the world
1: and and, and isn't that what it's all about i mean so so ali uh, for, for basically didn't drink for 24 hours before he left and of course, that touched me really deeply. And, you know, I'm, I'm a man of means. So I had the ability, even though I'm actually dwindling my worldly wealth, as we speak, I try to put it in appropriate places. Uh, but at the time, I had enough to actually help just to honor him, you know, give water. And, and again, if you want to have find gratitude, just look on the internet and understand how many people live without a drop of water. So so without a drop of clean water, the water that's available to them in Africa or so many places around the world, if they drank it, they would get sick, okay? Uh, you know, I, I had a, a friend of mine who would ha- was helping with a project in South Africa where a few of the, of the um, tin houses were burned, a few hundred actually. And the thing she told me, which is so eye-opening, she said, the first thing you need to get them is stoves. And I said, stove? What stove? I mean, is that really important for them to cook hot hot food? And she said, no, without a stove, they can't boil water. And that basically means they will end up literally getting sick. And so when Ali died, I tried to honor him by giving, you know, digging some wells and so on and so forth. And and it helped. I don't know how many and I don't even want to talk about it. And and I'm, I'm almost certain because I wrote about it in Soul for Happy, and Soul for Happy sold hundreds of thousands of copies, that people who were touched and got to love Ali as much as I did, also maybe have given $10 or whatever to, to water causes. And and I, I started to wonder at a point in time, knowing my son, if I had told him, Ali, would you give your life to save 100,000 lives? I promise you, he would have said immediately. He would have, he would have said, now, Papa, take it now right? And, and that, that is, believe it or not, if you want to play the game of life, this is what the game of life is about. This game of life fools you by making you think that there is a, a lack in everything, that if you don't, you know, hold on to things that, you know, life is abundance. But that abundance goes to those who believe in abundance and act in abundance. Hmm? So, so, so if you if you limit yourself, I'll, I'll tell you something about COVID nineteen. Huh? So, the, so the lockdown from one side is probably the, the 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 most difficult and probably the highest time of depression we will see in the modern world. But it's also, in my view, the golden age of empathy. There has never been a time. Hmm? where it was so easy for you to feel what another person feels. Empathy is to be able to feel the emotions of others, especially the the negative emotions, the difficult times. Hmm? Because if you wake up lonely tomorrow, well, congratulations, this is how 70% of your friends feel. Right? If you you wake up feeling a, a, a little despair, well, great. That's most of your family members, they feel the same way. Okay, when, when you have a little bit of uncertainty, yep, the entire nation is feeling that, right? And, and empathy is an incredible enabler. It's, by the way, the, one of the most glorious feminine qualities. Huh? To feel empathy in a, wor- in a world that's hyper-masculine hmm, is a great gift. But here's the challenge. The challenge is that empathy, too much empathy in difficult times depresses you because you're just feeling your pain and the pain of so many others. And the only way you can get empathy to work in your favor is to turn empathy into compassion, to simply take action, to tell yourself, I can, I know I'm, I woke up, I feel lonely. Hmm? Jenny must, must feel lonely too. I'm going to text her and say, do you want to have a virtual coffee? Okay. And if you give yourself the target, hmm? So we wake up in the morning, we say, okay, we're gonna watch three episodes of Netflix and we're going to order food twice, and we're going to, you know, uh, um watch two two YouTube videos and swipe on Instagram for 16 and a half hours, right? And add to those one objective, which is, and I'm gonna make one person happy. Just one person. I'm just going, I'm just gonna reach out and make it a little easier for one person today. I promise you, if you make that your target, you will not be way you will not be able to. Wait until you jump out of bed because you will jump out of bed and say, "Okay, who am I going to get the joy of seeing happy today? Right. And suddenly when you when you suddenly realize that the world is not just about you, hmm? about those little uh, I'm I'm, I'm a victim feelings. hmm? And that there are others that might actually be more in a tough time than you and that you can actually help them. Suddenly everything becomes different. Suddenly, everything becomes different.
0: Absolutely, I mean, like you'd be forgiven. Well, I, I certainly feel a lot of compassion for people who, whose perspective doesn't come naturally to being positive or appreciative of their current scenario. And I think a lot of that comes down to social media and the 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 constant story that we tell ourselves that we deserve more. We deserve what we see other people having, particularly as you know, it's been presented yeah. to us in such a fashion and we expose ourselves. But I think if you come at it with that perspective of how can I make other people happier or how can I make just one person happier, that is just such a fantastic concept to, to sort of spread. And, and this leads me to the, the wider aspiration of your mission to try and inspire uh, more than a billion people to achieve happiness or to find happiness through the medium of long form conversation. I certainly have found so much virtue and so much, it's almost like a selfish endeavor for me to be able to have these conversations with incredible minds like yourselves. Yes. But uh, it, you know, and I feel like it's a, a weird privilege to not only have the conversation and be present at the moment with someone like yourself but also share that and actually lead to someone else sparking joy in someone else but your podcast in particular i'm such a fan of the the breadth of guests that you've had my question to you and given that you've done so many now how has the podcast influenced you as a person and and, and, and what do you what do you hope to achieve from from those conversations with those with those different characters? <laughs>
1: uh, uh, what do I hope to achieve? I I don't have an answer to that, who I w one very interesting place again in a year of flow is I don't hear I don't hope to achieve. I hope to be achieved through. Okay, and I think that's a very very different place. I. I I I enjoy those conversations tremendously when you came on on you know on Stillmo. We left we left our heads off, okay? We we told people about how to be healthy. We spoke about your wonderful approach to you know how honest and sincere you are about social media and even asking people to unfollow you and it was a wonderful conversation, right? Wonderful conversation and I felt I gained a very good friend. Absolutely. Right? And and <laughs> absolutely and and it's an amazing privilege that i have and i and i have that privilege of being able to meet the most incredible people on the planet and then it poof disappears right and then somehow i said why don't we just record them that's that's nice right even if just to listen to them later and then i put them out there and they seem to be amazing for for a simple reason i i choose only Two types of guests. Most most are my friends or become my friends. But I choose only two types of guests. Those who can help you change yourself or those who can help you change the world. And, and it's as simple as that. Okay? And believe it or not, I've had uh, guests that were 21-year-olds uh, that have really not uh, broken their you know path through life yet, but had a very personal, very touching personal story as teens, for example, all the way to the incredible 93-year-old Edith Eager right? Uh, and, and everyone teaches you something. I mean, I can, I can pick a few and tell you. It, it is, for example, in the middle of the lockdowns, in the middle of the pandemic, where everyone was completely desperate and, 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 and depressed and unhappy. And there goes this incredibly beautiful 93-year-old being. I wouldn't call her a human being, honestly, who was uh, taken to Auschwitz when she was 16. Beautiful young woman, a, ba- a ballerina, right? With her, two, with her sister and mother. Her mother was sentenced to the gas chamber in front of her eyes, and she was forced to dance to the angel of death, the the, the general that was sentencing people uh, um, to to life and death, yes. hmm? while he was doing it. So she would be dancing for him, and he would say to that person to die and that person to live. And at the end of of World War II, they had to dig her out from under dead bodies, like several layers of dead bodies, because her finger moved slightly, and a soldier noticed. And you tell that story. And, and, and I asked Edith, and I said, so what do you think about the people that, that, that did this? And she said, I love them. And I said, what are you talking about? And she said, I love them. If I was born German, and I was told today Germany and tomorrow the world, I would have shouted in German and followed too. Yeah. Oh my God, Edith. Like, unbelievable. Mm. Unbelievable when you can see someone who's gone through all of that. And and we're complaining about binge watching Netflix and she goes out of this experience with this kind of love and forgiveness for the yeah. world. Right? All the way to so many. I I, I interviewed Kevin, uh, Kevin Abdurahman, which was, a very, very successful inspirational speaker. And his life, his whole livelihood is about traveling the world and speaking. And I said, Kevin, so what's the plan? And he said, I'm gonna come out of this better than I came in. And I was like, what do you mean? And he said, yeah, I'm, I've am i not been working out well. I've not called my mother enough. I've, you know, I always wanted to learn the piano. I'm gonna do that, right? And so many, huh? so many, but I, I don't wanna dig into the details, Huh? Um, I wanna dig into the experience. Mm of so many people that look at life because they've gone through real tragedy, if you want, and say, I can do this. I, you know, I'm, you know, uh, Karen Guggenheim co- co- was on my podcast when her partner was in the hospital diagnosed with COVID-19 mm-hmm. while her ex-husband actually died of pneumonia. Oh,
0: wow.
1: So imagine the yeah. fear, mm? imagine the stress and, and imagine the, the peace and the calm and the tranquility that she could bring to people saying, it's going to be fine. And I, I asked her, I said, Karen, so what are you doing about this? And she said, a big, a big noise is the media. And I said, so what are we doing about it? And she said, I schedule my anxiety. I said, what do you mean, Karen? And she said, I, I watch the news <coughs> from 2 to 2.30 every day. I can't take more. So I left and I said, I watched the news from 2 to 2.10 back in April and I haven't done it ever again. Okay. And, 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 you know, and, and it's, it's that incredible joy of being with incredible people. I think we've done now, like uh, 78 episodes have been released. Right. And all of them, all of them are just pure joy, pure joy. And I think people are feeling it. People are feeling how much I'm, I'm completely obsessed with this thing. We actually have like 20 episodes in, in the log, because I can't stop doing <laughs> it Like I'm totally addicted <laughs> yeah. I, I do like four a week When we're releasing two a week And I have no idea when we're releasing them But I don't, you know It's amazing
0: really It's brilliant I mean, I, yeah I, I share the same love of uh, of podcasting now And I'm a big listener of podcasts Including yours and stuff And I'm making my way through the library But it is absolutely fascinating So my, my puppy's uh, trying to join in the conversation Here at the moment I do need to show it to you Hello Come here sweetie Oh, I want to show you show you her she um she's very oh my god
1: man, <laughs> man she, she, this is like the, it, this, the those hairs were not those colors you painted no
0: us, no you? this is a natural color oh my she's a god. beautiful apricot color man. and she's got a very nice personality so she's uh yeah <laughs> oh yeah she god. just comes up she's very very good she, she like you know obviously when I'm working from home she has to entertain herself but um, now she's, she's yeah,
1: But she's not barking, so that she doesn't
0: want to be heard. Yeah, hurt. exactly. Yeah. Well, she she does have a voice <laughs> sometimes, but um, yeah. But I, I, I share that that love of of conversation um and sharing that as well, uh, because it, it it's I mean this this conversation is so rich in gems for me, and if I can spark you know a change in other people and, and we can do that. As a team i think it's a brilliant endeavor that is I totally, totally agree. worth your totally
1: time agree. To- to- totally agree but but, but I, again I, th- I think what i what i felt about writing books specifically and slow-mo the podcast the thing that is so distinctly different for me in them is i actually have no target okay I'm doing the process for the process. Mm-hmm. I'm actually meeting the guests because I'm dying to meet them. I'm writing the books because they're killing me from the inside. I have to express those things I'm writing about, right? Uh, different than my business where I wake up in the morning and I need to close this and the p has to be right. and uh, right, right? Mm-hmm. Different than, uh, 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 you know, even my happiness mission, which I actually measure like an engineer. Huh? I measure how many people we've affected every month and how, what's the progress and trajectory and so on and so forth. But with those two things, they are almost my joy. Yeah. They're like really my thing. Yeah. Mm? I, I just love doing them. And I think to me, this really is something that many people could benefit from, to do something with no objective at all, yeah. Yeah. with no purpose at all. I mean, I, I'll, t- I'll give you an example. When I was locked down in London, I, I draw very well. I draw charcoal portraits really, really well, but I've really f- constantly failed with color. And and you know I've I've struggled because you know you if you if I do something in color and it's so crappy, I go like man that was a wasted effort. So I I did something amazing I which really helped me. I said okay I'm gonna buy an acrylic set you know buy an easel buy buy the whole thing. I'm in lockdown, and I'm going to give myself one condition which is I will throw away every single painting I finish, okay good or bad I will throw it away. Oh, wow okay, the joy. And I did, actually. I, I, I finished four of them in London. I threw all four okay. of them. Okay. Right? And, and, and the whole idea here was to liberate myself completely from the result. Ah,
0: right.
1: I completely wanted to allow myself to just enjoy the process. Okay? And, and, you know, and tell myself before I started painting this thing, I didn't really care if it existed in life or not. Why does that change when you finished it? Okay. Can you detach yourself from? I want to keep it. I want to re- preserve it for the rest of my life, and I want to show it <laughs> yeah. to people and say, "Look, I'm good. I'm yeah. good." Right? So, I and, and and that liberation of doing something for a reason, but doing something for the something for the thing that you're doing, I, I think changes a lot of things.
0: Mo, I I can't begin to count how many pearls um, people are gonna gain from this this short conversation we've had um i i would love to do this again at some other point uh later on in your in your in your career new year whatever we are 100% friends and uh i just want to give you the biggest virtual hug this is the same the same feeling i had when i was on your podcast and we had that conversation i just wanted to give you the biggest biggest hug like just i'm so glad there are people out there in the world doing what you do and with the love and the energy you bring to it my heartfelt thanks goes to you so please keep doing what you're doing it's incredible
1: it is because you are brilliant in every possible way i the only thing that's wrong with that with the with the lockdown is i can't make you a coffee (laughs) which uh, which i promise you is as good as your food but we will do that one day and uh, I'm so grateful for, for your presence in my life, Rupi. You're an amazing being in every possible way. Thank
0: Much appreciated. Much appreciated. I sincerely hope you enjoyed and were inspired by Mo and his his work. He's just such a pleasure to chat to and call a friend. And like I said do check out those workshop videos on YouTube recorded at Stanford University. The links to which are on the podcast show notes found at the doctorskitchen.com. For now, have a wonderful, happy day, and I will see you here next time.